Hello, my side hustler friends. So let me ask you this. Giving free advice, products, or programs to your friends and family, working more hours than you do at your day job, and everyone in your Facebook group is a relative or coworker. How's that working out for you? I'm willing to bet that this is not the lifestyle you planned when you decided to start a side hustle. I'm guessing you thought that once you had your website up and running, you were good to go, right? So right now you're feeling completely trapped, stunned, and overwhelmed. If no one wants to support your business for free or for a discount, they'll never pay you, right? Ugh, wrong. And it's okay, my friend, I know how you feel. I've been there before. It's time to stop doing what you're doing because we both know it's just not working. I'm here to introduce today the Smart Side Hustle Society, an exclusive membership for career professionals who want to start and scale a side hustle of their very own. And as a listener of the Got Side Hustle show, I have an exclusive discount just for you. Go to chrismcpeak.com forward slash SSHS, that's for Smart Side Hustle Society, chrismcpeak.com forward slash SSHS, and pick up the amazing exclusive discounts that's just for you, the Got Side Hustle show listener. Now let's check into this week's amazing new episode. Okay, I don't know about you, but I've had it up to my armpits with this whole screw the nine to five mentality. Believe it or not, some of us really love our day jobs and don't wish to screw them. And yet we've got an additional calling, maybe a hobby or a need for supplemental income that's just purring to us, make me a side hustle. And that's where I come in. I'm Chris McPeak, your host for this life quest to do the work we were meant to do and run a small business. If you're looking to maximize your time so you can run the side hustle of your dreams, then you are absolutely in the right place. This is the Got Side Hustle Show. Welcome everybody and thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Got Side Hustle. I am your host, Chris Peak, and today I am joined by Allie Goulet from Freelancing Flow. And this young woman reached out to me with some pretty amazing suggestions on how you can start a freelancing writing business with no experience. So Allie, welcome to Got Side Hustle and thanks for carving time for me today. Hey Chris, thanks so much for having me. So let's get back to the original, the origin of your freelancing freelancing journey. Uh, You said you started freelancing as a student. So how did that come to you and what made you decide that this was something you wanted to pursue? I did. Yeah. I started freelancing as a student in college. And for me at the time, right before I started freelancing, I was working a job that I wasn't really enjoying very much, but I still needed to pay for school. So I had to find something else to do. And I thought, Hey, you know, why don't I see if I can find something working from home so that I can take a little bit more control over my schedule? Because before that I was working nights, it was not fun. Uh, so that's when I decided to just do a little bit of digging online and I actually started on an online internship site, but I found a bunch of, uh, they were labeled as remote internships, but really as I got into them, what I learned is that they were just companies, uh, looking to hire sort of inexperienced, you know, people to run marketing and content and all sorts of different things. So I started pitching a bunch of things. Writing is something I pitched a lot because it's something that I've always been interested in. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I kind of had a freelance writing business by accident. That's fantastic. 
Um, and you mentioned um, these online organizations that are, are looking for helpers. Like I see a lot of that on, on Pinterest. So was there a particular style of writing that you were looking to do? Or did you just kind of, the companies that you pitched to, you would wait to see what they were looking for and then you would give them some topics? Yeah, at the time it was primarily long form blog writing and I found at least when I was pitching these things that these companies didn't really have too much strategy. They were really looking for someone to come in and help. So I would always be ready after the pitch to send them some ideas too of what I would actually publish for them, just because I found that it's probably something that allowed me to stand out from other people who were just sort of waiting around to be told what to do. They would respond to my pitch and I would be ready with suggestions that we could actually get started on right away. Cool. So when you're getting ready to pitch somebody, sort of what's the what's the jumping off point? You do you um, you wait for them to contact you and ask or you just find these different organizations and and, and jump right in? So I think there are two different ways to approach that. It depends on if you're using something like a job board, you know, the intern site that I used or Upwork or any other freelancing job board. If you're starting your pitch there, those descriptions are really like a gold mine. You can hone in on sort of little key phrases that will be in those job descriptions that will help you sort of figure out what they're looking for and what type of person they need. For example, they might say that they need blog posts and they might say, oh, we're looking for evergreen content. That's something mm -hmm. I see a lot, especially for business. And so in your pitch, you can talk about what you know about evergreen content, or if you have experience with evergreen content, you can talk about that. You can just hone in on those little keywords and sort of use them uh, to thread your pitch. If you're going in completely cold and you're not going off of a job post or anything like that, what I usually do is seek out companies that I'm interested in working with and then go on their website and look for opportunities for me to help them. And not in a way that's critical, just something that I think that they can improve and point it out and explain how I can help. Cool. Well, if someone's thinking of doing this as a side hustle, how would you recommend that they get started? Yeah. So I think the number one thing that you have to do, especially in freelance writing, this really applies to any kind of creative freelancing though, is if you have absolutely no experience, which yeah. I really didn't when I started, the first thing that you have to do is get some samples of the type of work that you can do. I think for a lot of people, this is like a chicken and the egg situation. Because right. Like, you know, what do I do? I don't have any samples, but how do I have samples before I start working with clients? And the truth is you don't need to wait for a client to create a sample. You mm -hmm. can write your own blog posts or any other type of deliverable that you'd want to work on. The only thing that you need to do is make sure it's focused on the type of industry that you want to work in. So for example, I do a lot of technology writing and I wouldn't recommend that someone who decides they want to do that, you know, uses their personal blog as their okay. writing samples. Um, you do need to sort of craft that 
for different types of clients that you might want to work with, but you certainly do not have to wait for uh, your first client. To put stuff out there. Absolutely. So you mentioned Fiverr and Upwork. If people wanted to use that as a platform, what would you recommend they do to sort of create their profile? Yeah, so what I would say about Upwork and Fiverr is that it, you know, there's a lot of conflicting opinions on the right way to handle it and should you start there. In my view, it was one of the places that I got a lot of my early clients. And I think, again, it's publishing those samples. It's also being mindful that the Upwork and Fiverr searches work like every other search on the internet. Think okay. about the keywords that you need yeah. to include. Uh, what's going to make you show up higher in search. I know my current Upwork profile, the headline includes a bunch of keywords that my clients search for. And really your profile shouldn't be about you. You know, I see a lot of people talk about, I do this and I do that. And you really have to make it more you focused for the user so that they're reading it and they're understanding how you can help them. Just not really that I, I, I kind of mm -hmm. what you think about yourself. Cause the truth is like, that's great, but clients don't really care about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same. If you're pitching a, a coaching business as well, you don't want to talk about how amazing you are. You want to talk about the added value, right? So yeah, that's uh, talking, my coach always says to don't talk in your language, talk in their language and make sure that you're using the type of words that those folks are going to be using and looking for. So you said something about realities of becoming a freelance writer when you emailed me. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. What is, what is that like? Um, wh what is the reality of being a freelancer? Yeah, that's, it's. It's so crazy to me to think about what I thought this was going to be when I sort of realized that I was starting a freelance writing business and then what it ended up being. Because I think we focus a lot on the writing piece of it. And that's important. If you are a beginner, you need to obviously craft those skills and do that learning. But the truth about that is, is you'll improve, you know, as you go along. My writing is drastically different from what it was six years ago. And part of that is because I've intentionally learned along the way, but a lot of that too, is just, you know, my experience in working with different industries and different clients. So the parts that we sometimes ignore are, you know, the administrative pieces of getting your contracts and proposals together, updating your website or your portfolio, the different project management processes that you need to have in place to actually manage your clients. So what I would say about that is just know going in that there's a lot more to it than just writing mm -hmm. and having systems and processes in place to be able to handle all of those other things is going to be the key to making this less overwhelming in the long run. You said systems. So of course my little, my trigger went like ding. So when you, when you think about systems, what are your like go-to apps or, or software things that you use to, to navigate and manage your own freelancing business? Yeah, I love, I love software and all the tools. <laughs> right? 
so of course this one's pretty basic, but I use uh, Google Drive and G Suite for the majority of my copywriting business so that I can easily organize files and send them to clients. Some other tools that I use, I love uh, a software called and.co which handles everything from invoicing to proposals to contracts to time tracking. I won't you know, tell you about all the features because we'll be here all day, <laughs> but basically <laughs> it's an all-in-one suite for freelancers. So that's a tool that I love just because it empowers me to do so much more quickly. And I also really love using Zapier to create different automations for yeah. my business. So those are some of my top favorite tools. Zapier is, is like seriously a gold mine. Um, when you, I, once I got that thing working for me, I was like, oh my, I like who invented this? Cause this is the smartest, coolest thing ever. And it took me, it took me a while to figure that out. But um, once I, once I, got it. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to zap this. I'm going to zap that. It's fun. <laughs> it's yeah, <like> a puzzle. <laughs> totally. And it's awesome because you can really customize it to sort of your unique needs because you can do so many different connections. Yeah. You know, I, I use it in so many different ways in my business, some of which, you know, are ideas I've seen from other people and other things are just like, Oh, actually, I wonder if I could make this easier with Zapier. And then mm -hmm. I go in and look and lo and behold, you can just like connect this to that. And then all of a sudden you have this automatic process. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's almost like six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but like different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with your tech tools. Or even like a, like a, um, I, did, I don't, do you ever take chemistry in high school and you did balancing equations. It kind of reminded me of that too, which is the only thing in chemistry I was ever good at was balancing equations. Um, okay. So let's talk about, let's do like two or three must do tips for success. And then let's do two or three things that absolutely don't do if you want to be a freelancer as a side hustle, of course. Okay. So must do tips. I would say that my first one definitely is pick a marketing method and stick to it for a little while, at least a month or two. I think in the beginning, a lot of people get kind of overwhelmed because they hear, you know, okay, let's say that you took my advice from the beginning and you created your samples. And so now what do you do? Do you start cold pitching? Do you start looking for clients on social media? Do you rely on the job boards really heavily? What is going to be your strategy? Mm -hmm. And sometimes what ends up happening is people try to do everything because they aren't sure what to do. Whereas I think that it's a lot easier to decide that you're going to try one thing for 30 or 60 days and, you know, sort of tweak your process a little bit as you go along, see how it's working for you. And if it is cool, double down on that. If it's not go and try to do something else as opposed to trying to spread your effort across all of these different things and not really getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that I would say is that you definitely need to create a home base for your freelancing work. And so that might look like your own website. That might be a portfolio that you set up on a third-party platform, um, whatever it is. I don't recommend that people just rely on social media to show mm -hmm. their work or worse, 
don't have a portfolio at all, just because it's a lot easier to be able to direct clients to your work and say, Hey, this is what I can do. Right. Because a lot of people don't do that. And it really is the foundation. It's really a marketing asset for you. So that would be my second one. And my third one is that you do have to get comfortable with rejection. Ah, Okay. I know that that's really tough for a lot Mm -hmm. of people to do, but you're going to be interacting with potential clients and some of them are going to say, no, you're going to send a cold pitch and get no response back. Or sometimes I remember my favorite response to a cold pitch ever was someone uh, responding to me in all capital letters, unsubscribe because, Oh my gosh. Yeah. They thought they were on (laughs) some sort of mailing list. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's hard, but you just have to recognize that that's a part of it and really treat everything you do in terms of marketing, like a numbers game, um, not suggesting that you do anything that is like low quality or spammy in your marketing, but just get comfortable with the idea that like the more you put out there into the world, the more chances you have to win. And it's not the end of the world if someone says no. Got it. So let's do some don'ts. Okay. Don'ts. Uh, For me, this is sort of a controversial opinion, but I don't think that anyone should choose a niche too early if they don't have experience. So if you do, you know, come from a background where you have a particular skill or you worked another job and you have that experience to know, okay, this is what I want to work on, or this is what I don't want to work on. Great. Use that. For me, I was in college at the time. I had professional experience in absolutely nothing. Uh, (laughs) So I can tell you that if I had chosen a niche from day one, like a lot of people feel the pressure to do, I would not have chosen what I'm doing now. And I'm really happy with what I'm doing now. And I like the clients that I work with. So I think it's fine for people to explore a little bit and to take that space to figure out what kind of work they actually like to do. So that's the first one. The second, oh, did you have something to cut in there with? Uh, No, uh, I was going to say in coaching, they, you know, they tell you the, the riches are in the niches or niches, however you say it. So, but you're saying that you found that you were successful when you basically did exactly the opposite. Well, I wouldn't say that I was, I was doing exactly the opposite for a little while so that I could figure out what niche I wanted to sort of land in. Cause I think a lot of people, you know, I see it online all the time of like, I want to start freelance writing, but I don't know what my niche should be. And they spend months kind of like agonizing over this because they think that that's a prerequisite to having a successful career. And you can definitely get started without that. I would say, you know, I think that more people who choose a niche are successful as opposed to generalists. So try to, you know, sort of hone that in, but don't let that hold you back from actually getting started. Yeah. I think we have to be a generalist for a little while until we realize what comes naturally to us and what we actually like to coach about, write about, um, blog about all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. And the second thing I would say as far as a don't is don't try to act like an expert before you are an expert. I think that there's this danger in freelancing sometimes where people are told that they have to create this persona 
like they're an absolute professional. They know everything. They can answer all the questions. And the danger about this for beginners is, you know, even if your client doesn't know everything about copywriting or design or whatever it is that you're doing, they are going to know their business better than you do. And you can't then go in and make all these suggestions that you really don't know anything about. I think people feel pressure to do that because they think that that's what clients expect from them. And really clients just expect you to be helpful and honest and ask questions when you don't know the answer. And it's okay to work collaboratively with your clients. You don't need to have an answer to every single question. Perfect. That is fantastic. Yeah. And then lastly, I would say for don'ts is don't, how do I put this? Don't uh, invest too much in your business too early, especially if you're doing it as a side hustle, right? Because Mm -hmm. you don't really know how you're going to feel about this yet if you're doing it as a side hustle, similar to the niching thing, like try it out for a little bit. Don't go spend all of this money on, you know, crazy tools that you see other people are using when you Google it, um, or, you know, invest tons of time in Mm -hmm. creating your own website when really like a basic couple of pages will serve you well. Again, I wouldn't recommend this approach as you sort of gain more experience and gain traction and know that it's what you want to do, but it's another one of those things that can really hold you back and stop you from making progress. And sometimes you can even end up wasting time or money on the wrong things because you haven't identified what you actually need yet to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. When within the podcasting realm, my um, mentor and podcasting coach, Adam Shibley refers to that concept as podcrastination. Um, it was impossible to avoid actually jumping in and doing the work itself. Um, and I, I think that's what I'm hearing you say is, you know, get comfortable with the work and then you can add all the bells and whistles that go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is a form of procrastination. And also it just can be, like I said, really wasteful because we don't know what we don't know. Like, how do you know exactly what you're going to need and what would help you the most? until you start doing the work and you understand where you're struggling. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. This has been so helpful. I think that our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. And thank you so, so much for carving time to be with me today. Allie, where can people find you if they want to hire you, follow you on social, all of the things? Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks so much for having me. The best places to find me, I have a blog for freelancers and that's at freelancingflow.com or I'm doing a lot of work on my WordPress portfolio plugin for freelancers right now to help them create a portfolio that actually convinces clients to work with them. And you can find that and all the content I create there at getgeniusportfolio.com. Beautiful. All right. So this is Allie Goulet from Freelancing Flow. I'm Chris McPeak. You have been listening to Got Side Hustle, and we will check in with you next week. Thanks a lot, everybody.